church world service listens to what people have to say in terms of their needs and the problems and the issues that concern them. And then we develop a plan together. And then that plan is put in action together. I'll be the eyes so that I just can be. This is another episode of a special series called Enough for All of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. This series sheds light on 75 years of an NGO called CWS. My name is Mirit Bloom and I welcome you to another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast about Church World Service. And like always, I'm delighted to, uh, you know, with my guest of today, who will, as usual, introduce himself. Rodney, please go ahead. Hello, my name is Rodney Page. Uh, I was uh, the director of Church World Service. But I also had two titles. Uh, The first, last and only person to have two titles. I was the Deputy General Secretary of the National Council of Churches and the Executive Director of Church World Service from 1995 till 2000, uh, June of 2000. Great, Th- thanks, uh, Rodney. And and actually, you know, you were um, leading Church World Service through a quite a an important time. Uh, yeah. for church world service because you know we were still part of the National Council of Churches. Right. So can you maybe share with listeners a little bit about that particular period? <laughs> well, I can. Uh, I was hired to try to integrate church world service more within the National Council of Churches. Mm-hmm. There had been a contentious relationship mm-hmm. between the National Council of Churches and Church World Service, uh, with Church World Service wanting a more independent kind of role in existence, and the National Council wanting them to be a more seen as a part of the ministry of the National Council. And I was hired to bring that um, Church World Service and National Council together, and that is why I was given two titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw the need when I became the director of Church World Service, for Church World Service to play a more independent, expansive role than what the National Council envisioned. And so I, with my deputy, Linda Hartke, Mm -hmm. uh, began a process of uh, taking Church World Service at a more independent path than what was envisioned by the National Council of Churches. And, I remember when John, Joan Brown Campbell, who was the general secretary, left, that she's the one that hired me. And uh, the new director, uh, general secretary, Bob Edgar of the National Council, mm-hmm. called me on the phone once. He was on the uh, uh, eighth floor, and I was on the sixth. And he said, 
I hear you're trying to take church world service out of the National Council of Churches. Is that true? And I said, yes, it is true. And he said, I want you to cease and desist right now. And I said, okay, I will cease and desist. Because I had done everything that was needed to do, and I didn't need to do anything more than today. And I will never forget the telegram I received from the board of directors of Church World Service uh, after I had retired, saying Church World Service was now officially a separate part from the National Council of Churches. And my uh, efforts were successful. And, and uh, Rodney, if you look back at it, do you think that you that you know the split was the right thing to do? Yes, I do think it's the right thing to do, uh, and especially in light of what has unfortunately happened to the National <coughs> Council of Churches mm. and the, the path now that Church World Service is going on. I think the future of Church World Service is very bright, mm -hmm. and especially now with the new administration in Washington, D.C., and the possibility of the whole network of refugee resettlement being revitalized and reborn, and the new leadership uh, of Rick Santos. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget, in, uh, in Cambodia, I was there for a meeting, and Rick Santos called me and said, um, I'd like to meet with you privately in your hotel room. And I said, okay. And he came up and he said, I want to know if there is a permanent place for me in church world service or not. I have to make some decisions about my future. And I said, I can't guarantee any job and what that will be for you, Rick. But I can say there is a place for you at church world service. And I ask you to stick with me and we will find out what that role is. And it was not too long thereafter, I made him country director uh, uh, in Indonesia, uh, an area director of Southeast Asia, and now he is the new director of Church World Service. Again, yeah. my biggest legacy is people I've hired mm -hmm. and put in places of leadership. Great, and and, and for, the, for the listeners, you know, you, um... Rick Santos is since the beginning of 2021 the new CEO and, and president of Church World Service. Um, he had, but he had worked for Church World Service before, um, and so they, that's kind of the, the context uh, there. Uh, Rodney, going back, you know, a long time maybe, do you still remember the first time that you heard about Church World Service? Well, that was a long time ago, back probably in 1962. When I was became right out of seminary to be the associate minister, half time at First Christian Church in Portland, Oregon. I'd never been to the Northwest in my life, mm -hmm. and half time as a campus minister at Port, which is now Portland State University. Mm -hmm. And it was that time that I first became aware of the work of Church World Service because the Christian Church Disciples of Christ were very much a part of uh, Church World Service and the National Council. Mm -hmm. And I, I became involved in was crop, crop walks yeah. and organizing crop walks uh, that uh, the churches in Portland uh, participated in. 
what do you like about the work of Church World Service? Well, the thing that strikes me about what I like about Church World Service from the very beginning is partnerships. Mm -hmm. Church World Service doesn't operate like some kinds of uh, aid organizations. They see what they think is needed. They come in and do a project and leave. And oftentimes that project fails. Church World Service listens to what people have to say in terms of their needs and the problems and the issues that concern them. And then we develop a plan together. And then that plan is put in action together. And together, we work to implement uh, the needs of people, not telling people what they need. And that project then endures. I remember my first trip in Church World Service was in Vietnam, north of Hanoi, to dedicate a clean water well, because so many people, especially young and older people, were dying of waterborne pathogens, cholera, diarrhea, dysentery. And Church World Service saw as one of its main goals, putting in clean water wells throughout Africa, Southeast Asia, mm. and other places. And I was there to dedicate this well among the Hung, Hung, Hung people, I think it is pronounced. Mm -hmm. And they were people that assisted the United States during the war in Vietnam. And afterwards they were treated as kind of second-class citizens because of their involvement in the war. And so I went up to this very humble village to dedicate this well. The whole village turned out. They had dances and and mm. Uh, feasting and all kinds of, it was, and by humble, I mean very humble because I went into the schoolroom, which consisted of two rooms with wooden slats that you could see the outside in. Mm -hmm. But there in one part of the schoolyard was this well. And on the side of it, it had CWS. And all through, as I say, Southeast Asia, Africa, and other parts of the world, there are these wells and people living because of these wells. Hmm. So partnership is a word that I think connotates hmm. the kind of uh, organization that Church World Service is about. Church World Service produced a book when it was celebrating its 50 years anniversary. And as, as you might uh, remember, it was called 50 Years of Help and Hope. Yes, and I remember. I helped put it together. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. Um, you know, we are not making a, a book now for the 75th, but uh, let us assume that we would decide to make a book. Um, what would be some of the keywords that you would use in the title? for 75 years of CWS? Well, help and 75 years of help and hope would also be a title, but I would say the, the, the kind of words that I would use would be um, 
besides partnership would be listening. We listen to the needs of people uh, and we respond especially to the needs of the poor and the powerless, the sick, the addicted, all whose way is hard in this life. We listen. That is important, I think, in the history of church world service. Mm -hmm. And then uh, community is another word that I think is apropos mm -hmm. to church world service because community and the values of faith that sustain a community mm -hmm. are so important to us. Uh, you know, the scriptures say, without a vision, the people perish. And what is that vision? It is simply the writings of the Old Testament prophets, the writings of the New Testament and the sayings of Jesus, and what they had to say about our common commitments, the values that we hold in common with one another, the sense of community that we have. And I, I, the phrase in Micah, and what does the Lord require of us? But to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with our God. And also in the Paul's letter to the church in Galatians in the fifth chapter, where it talks about what our values are. The fruits of the spirit, he say, are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. He goes on to say, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that shall they also reap. So let's not grow weary in well-doing, but let's do good to all people, and especially to those of the household of faith. And I think, I think when we move towards that vision, that that when we move towards it, slavery is ended and civil rights achieved and compassion is implemented and human rights are defended. But when we move away from those kinds of values, mm. greed triumphs, narcissism mm. envelops us. Greed and selfishness erodes our common life. and. Uh, our conflicts proliferate. Mm. So the values that church world service and the faith community, and those values are embedded in all of the faith communities. I think Judaism, Islam, Hindu, Christianity, all of them exude. And I think the faith community has a kind of a bipolar. Mm -hmm to it, because on one hand, it does incredibly good uh, doing all the wonderful work around the world. In this country, uh, universities, hospitals, all kinds of things that they have mm -hmm. done in this country to enhance and enrich the quality of life. But over and against that, they have also manifest incredible cruelty, bigotry, malice, prejudice, hatred. And so we in church world service must nurture those forces of compassion, 
mm. those forces of goodness and generosity. Those are the things that church world service must do, can do, and will do mm. in the now and in the future. I think related to what you just mentioned is, you know, um, the 75th anniversary is also being used to look back at our actions and then, you know, look forward. One of the big topics uh, in a lifetime um, is, you know, fighting injustice and especially racial injustice. Yeah. Um, you know, if I ask you to reflect back on, you know, what you know uh, about CWS, um, how do you look at the role of CWS in fighting uh, specifically racial injustice? Um, you know, have, have we succeeded? Uh, if so, how have we failed, uh, you know, to a certain extent or completely how? How do, you, how do you look at that? Well, it's easy to marshal words and shibboleths and mm -hmm. denouncing hatred and bigotry and malice. It's another thing to put your life and your organization on the line mm. to advocate for um, greater, better policies and laws and uh, concerning mm -hmm. racial justice. And that's where I think that Church World Service has a role to marshal its resources and people to advocate for better policies uh, regarding the police, and racial justice, and all the other things that need attending to in our society uh, right now that is causing so much pain and hatred. And uh, that's working on policies and laws is a much more difficult task. But we also knew, need to speak out, don't get me wrong. It was Martin Niemöller. He was a U-boat captain of World War I. Hmm. Afterwards, he wanted to do something with his life. He became a Lutheran pastor. And in World War II, he wrote this little piece of prose. First, they came to, for the Jews, but I was the Jew, so I didn't speak out. And then they came for the homosexual, but I wasn't a homosexual. So I didn't speak out. Then they came for the trade unionists. I wasn't a trade unionist, so I didn't speak out. And then they came for me, and there was nobody left to speak for me. So speak out in your whatever organization or whatever you're a part of to speak out against some of the injustice and hatred and bigotry and malice that are abroad in the land. The more people of goodwill speak out and work for greater justice, the greater justice we'll have. And do you think um, CWS has done that often enough if you look at its history? Probably not, hmm. uh, but we keep trying. <laughs> and um, I remember if I could tell this little story, mm -hmm. sure. it illustrates, I think. Um, I was in Haiti uh, visiting and uh, 
doing some work and looking at some of our projects. And they said, would you like to go and see this project where we are helping people get their civil and human rights back and confronting authorities, teaching them how to confront authorities? And I said, of course, I always wanted to see and uh, some of our work and what we were doing. And so we started out, they said it's way up in the mountains. I said, that's all right. Mm. But it was on one of the worst living gizzard roads I'd ever been on. <laughs> living gizzard road is a road that my mother said would shake the living gizzards right out of you. <laughs> and we were on this living gizzard road for hour after, what seemed like hour after hour. And I was getting sick to tell you the truth. I had a headache. I, I said, how much further is this? Well, no one seemed to know exactly where it was we were going. And I said, there's a farmer there working in his field. Go and ask him how much further this place is. And he said, well, it's more near than far. That We don't ever get exact distances in some of these places. It's more near than far. So we started out. I said, now, look. If we're not there in the next half hour, we're going to turn around and go back to Port-au-Prince. But fortunately, we arrived. And we no sooner stopped our little caravan in front of the church than the people streamed out, hugging us and singing us into the church. We got in a big circle. And they told their stories of how much this project had meant to them as they confronted evil and bigotry, getting their civil and human rights back. Then they told me how long it took for them to get there. Two hours walking, four hours walking. One man walked eight hours most of the time in the rain to get there to tell me his story of how much this project meant to him. I felt like this, of course. And then we got stood in the circle and sang the hymn, Oh Lord, my God, how great thou art. And tears ran down my cheeks. And they came up to me afterwards and they said, Reverend Page, why are you crying? And I said, the last time I sang that song was in the Bongsu Church of Pongyang, North Korea. And I knew the suffering that they had gone through, the gulag, the, taken off into the gulags, some of their pastors summarily shot. And I knew they stood with you to stay on this mountain, singing with you, O oh Lord, my God, how great thou art. So yes, it's important for us mm. to work together, pray together, and serve together, for there were Jewish, Muslim, mm. Christian, Hindu, Buddhist, working together to reinforce the forces of compassion in not only the community we find ourselves, 
from all over the world. Th thanks, Rotten. Um You know, when um, when I'm asked to kind of describe the the path and, and the road of church world service, I often say, and, and you know, I, I think church world service evolved, you know, over time. It started as a U.S. Christian organization that tried to work ecumenically. But then I think over time it became a global interfaith organization. Now, if I say this, um, you know, some people say, yes, Mulis, you're right. I agree. And there are other people who are saying, no, I, I maybe understand why you're saying this, but I think you're not correct. And then they explain. Um, what would, how would you react to my description of, of this? Well, that is a uh, loaded question, Maurice. Mm -hmm. And um, I was asked to write an article mm -hmm. with a Roman Catholic archbishop writing. Each of us were to define the word ecumenical mm -hmm. and what this Greek word meant, oikumene. And the archbishop said it means pan-Christian, the whole panoply of Christian denominations and organizations. But I didn't, and I got in a little trouble for it. But I said, literally, the word oikumene, ecumenical, means the whole household of God. Hmm. Not only people of Jewish and Christian and Muslim faith and all the other faiths, but people of no faith, no particular faith. Oikumene means the whole household of God. So that's what I mean when I say church world service is an ecumenical organization. What do you think in terms of, you know, my description of a U.S. organization towards a global organization? Yes, yes, it did start. I think, as I remember, particularly, it was uh, in response to World War II, especially mm -hmm. the crop when we um, started trains on the West Coast, mm -hmm. sneaking their way across the country. Yeah. And a commentator uh, that was very popular at the time I can't remember his name, got behind this mm -hmm. and the train stopping along the way all across America as people put their goods, their clothes and all kinds of things on the train mm -hmm. to save Europe that was freezing to death and was dying mm -hmm. after the terrible war had uh, wiped out millions of people. And they ended up on the East Coast and put into ships. I think and that's how we, it was like, it was a pan-Christian organization at that time. But its role and its involvement all over the world. And, uh, and thanks be to the vision of my predecessors and boards mm -hmm. and volunteers and staff, we're a worldwide organization operating in over 80 countries around the world. Mm -hmm. And because of their foresight and working together, uh, that we have such a wonderful organization that has uh, today does so much to enrich the quality of life for so many people. 
literally millions of people around the world. Great, thanks. Um, Rodney, if I ask you to share an anecdote or an experience um, which best describes your time with CWS, um, yeah, what, what would you uh, share with me? Well, there are so many <laughs> different experiences yeah. that I've had at uh, Church World Service that have uh, enriched my life mm -hmm. so many times that it's hard to say uh, one particular thing that, that denotes that. Mm -hmm. But I will say that uh, um, my involvement uh, of Church World Service particularly in the Middle East, to try to bring some semblance of reconciliation mm. between uh, Jews and Christians and uh, Muslims has been, uh, I think, uh, one of, and this is a little known story mm -hmm. of church world service, I think a little told story of how much church world service works um, behind the scenes to bring people together on common projects mm -hmm. that working together. I remember when there were a bunch of, uh, of mosques and churches burned in Indonesia by rioters. Mm -hmm. Church World Service got together groups of young people, Muslim young people and Christian young people and Buddhist young people to work together to rebuild mosques, to rebuild churches. And I remember here in the United States, when there was a burning of so many Blackburn churches in rural areas, I was asked to be put in charge of the rebuilding of Blackburn churches. And uh, we got people of different faiths and of no faiths working together. I got Warehouser Lumber Company to donate all the different, all the lumber that we needed in rebuilding the churches. And people working together across lines enhances, I think, enriches their experience mm -hmm. of knowing one another, knowing the other, working together with the other, that sometimes we put in our minds the other as being um, one of hating the other. So this, I, these kinds of programs and projects that Church World Service has put together over the years has deeply in, I think, brought together people of different faiths working together across not only denominational lines, mm -hmm. but also around uh, uh, different faith lines as well. Great. Um, no, and, and the way you describe churchill service, I think we get a pretty listeners get a pretty good idea of what type of organization church world service is if i ask you to name one colleague of cws cws colleague or a cws partner or a cws supporter who best embodies uh, of what cws is about according to you who would you name and why oh i don't know what there's any one particular one there isn't but i think of different experiences that i've had mm -hmm. One of them, I decided I would write personal notes hmm. to all of our contributors that I could that had given substantial amounts of money to us. Mm -hmm. And as a, I just wanted to keep in touch with 
people and, and invite them to go on a project that they, that they might like to see. And this was right after the war in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And um, so I got this a note from um, Elkhart who put all this together for me, who was in charge of Church World Service Development. And they gave me a, a write a note to Howard E. Butts. Howard E. Butts, I said, who is that? He owns a grocery store in uh, Texas. I said, okay. So I wrote it thanking him for his contribution and inviting him to go with me uh, and several others on a trip to Bosnia and Herzegovina. He wrote back with another big check saying he couldn't go, uh, mm -hmm. but thank you for the invitation. Later, when I retired, I retired to Texas, uh, at living there half-time and half-time in Portland, and I found out who Howard E. Butts was. He owns HEB, which is the largest chain of departments, of grocery stores hmm. in Texas. And uh, so I have had so many wonderful experiences with contributors, hmm. people who have found in church world service the kind of organization they wish to support. Mm. Uh, I think of uh, Linda Hartke, mm. who was my deputy. Uh, I had heard about her. She was the uh, director of Cambodia. Mm -hmm. And um, I uh, said I was coming to Cambodia. I would like to talk with her. And um, she then became my deputy because I saw in her the kind of organization that Church World Service was. Let me tell you this story about Cambodia, mm -hmm. because I think it denotes just exactly what you're asking. Mm. After the defeat of Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, at least they fled to the highlands, uh, and they were defeated because the Vietnamese came in and drove them out. Church World Service was asked to go on a plane from Hanoi into Phnom Penh to make an assessment of what needed to be done. And they were on that plane with a lot of other aid agencies. After the day was through and the different aid organizations had determined what they saw that needed to be done to report back to the United States or wherever their organization was. They got on the plane to go back to Hanoi with the exception of Church World Service, who stayed and stayed and stayed. And they built aquifers and bridges and schools. Hmm and all kinds of roadways. And they're still there working, doing projects in Cambodia. I was asked to go to Cambodia, to uh, the capital and receive the highest honor bestowed upon a nonprofit organization because of the work that Church World Service did. <laughs> I remember mm -hmm. going out into uh, the field, uh, seeing laborers, uh, peasants clearing the land. They, they, 
government gave to church world service thousands of acres of land that had lain fallow during the full pot and the Khmer Rouge and had been overgrown with all kinds. They said, the land is yours. So we said to the peasants, you help us clear this land and then it's yours. And we divided it up into so many hectares. And, the, and from that to this day, people have land of their own mm. because of the work of Church Will Serve. Great. Uh, thanks for sharing that story, Rodney. And, and we are still there, as you mentioned. And uh, actually, the, the, our office in, in Cambodia is, is led by somebody of, of Cambodia. Oh, yeah. I think that also speaks to uh, how uh, Church World Service works. I, I would like to talk with you a little bit about what we, you know, some people call the brand, the brand of Church World Service. Um, because this 75th anniversary is also taken as an opportunity to look at ourselves and where we do do we need to go. One of the challenges that we have, uh, and that's maybe similar to the other faith-based uh, NGOs as well, is you know how do we attract the younger generation? Um, because yeah. you know that that is related with the number of young people going to church uh, among uh, others. So many discussions are going on around the branding and what type of organization we would like to be. Uh, but a piece of it is also um, the discussion if Church World Service should maybe change its name. Why? Uh, because with the younger generation, especially, you know, if you enter, uh, if you'd like to enter the door um, and you say that your Church World Service, with a lot of young people, the door stays closed. Yeah. Um, so, I would like just to hear from you, you know, what your perspective is, if you hear this. And again, nothing is set in stone at all. This is just part of a discussion, but I would just like to hear your two cents of, um, you know, the fact that we are looking into this. Well, I think in terms of any goal, mm -hmm. there are several doors and several mm -hmm. paths to that goal. Mm -hmm. Having the name CWS, not explaining exactly what CWS is or all about, certainly may be one path to that goal. Mm -hmm. Church World Service may be another path mm -hmm. to that goal. Uh, whatever path we come up with, the goal is still the same, mm -hmm. to alleviate human suffering, to enrich the quality of life for others assist all the poor and the powerless whose way is hard in this life and especially to those who are experiencing uh, trauma and uh, various and sundry uh, uh, things like tornadoes and mm -hmm. hurricanes typhoons emergency response so the goal is the same. Mm -hmm. The path may be different to get to that goal for different uh, kinds of groups we appeal to. Mm -hmm. We don't have to use the same language mm -hmm. to appeal to every single group. And we may want to use more of our churchy language mm -hmm. to appeal to people of faith, but it may be uh, a different language trying to appeal to 
uh, young people and people who have different kinds of faith. Uh, God come, comes clothed to us in many different garments. Mm. And, uh, but we're still the God of peace and justice. It's still the God of kindness and generosity. Great, thank you. Um, you know, I, I, I like music uh, myself. It's a very important part of my life. And that's why I always have a question related with music. So I would also like to ask you this one. And if I ask you to come up with a song or a piece of music <laughs> that represents CWS, according to you, what is the piece of music or the song? Oh, I don't, not very good at music, Maurice. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some of my favorite hymns, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. That's comes from my own long history and background as a pastor. And then, uh, Oh, Lord, my God, how great thou art is the one that certainly affected me and meant some of my work mm. that I was involved in by other Christians in other parts of the world who uh, sang it. And I, by the way, mm -hmm. that was an interesting experience I had yeah. of the Bongsu Church in Pongyang, um, North Korea. Mm -hmm. um, I remember worshiping several times in that church. I went to North Korea three times. We were put in charge of the World Food Program there in in North Korea uh, because of the famine. I remember the first time I went there, I can't remember the date, but it was a terrible famine. It was in January. The temperature was 55 degrees below zero with a wind chill factor. I, as I boarded the, uh, the plane there in China, I could see in this old beat up plane that the North Koreans were picking it up and bullet holes that had been shot in the plane had been patched. Mm. And I, I wondered if this, I was going to make it to North Korea or not. But uh, we got there in and as I was driving, being driven from the airport into the capital to stay in the hotel there, I saw all the trees from as high as you could reach, mm. stripped of the bark all the way down as people were stripping the bark off the trees, grinding it up and making it to eat mm. in various ways. People were literally dying in the streets. And um, I went to this Bongsu church mm. and we had um, given them a noodle factory to make noodles. And they made noodles and gave them away to people uh, at no charge. And uh, uh, the church was a beehive of activity, even though they had suffered so much uh, after the, the war in, that occurred mm -hmm. there in North and South Korea. And uh, I noticed that the last time I was there, each time before they had a pin in them of the 
of the dear leader. You know, they had the great leader, which was the father, and then they had the dear leader, which was the son. And, uh, but now when they entered the church, they, they silently took the pin off and put it in their pocket as a kind of a um, sign mm -hmm. that they were independent in their church of anybody uh, and they belonged to Jesus Christ. And, and do you remember when this was? 1998, I think. Mm -hmm. What do you want to say or what do you want to wish for CWS? Well, I remember at the 50th anniversary, we invited uh, uh, the, Arch the Bishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa to come and be the keynoter. Archbishop Tutu told me he was suffering from prostate cancer and wasn't accepting speaking engagement. But he said, Rodney, I will be there. Why? Because during apartheid's darkest efforts, darkest days, church world service fed our families and kept hope alive, mm -hmm. kept hope alive. And I will be there. And he was. I have a picture of Archbishop Desmond Tutu and myself. It will forever hang wherever I go in whatever domicile I find myself in because of his story of hope. Hope is to me the word that defines the work and ministry of church world service, hope for the future, hope in people. Hope is the key to the future of the world. And in God, we place our hope. And because hope was the key word for the 50th anniversary when Desmond Tutu came and we kept hope alive for in apartheid's darkest hours, that is what church world service must keep alive for all people in the future. Keep hope alive. Thank you so much, Rodney, for your willingness to talk with me today and also for, you know, I, I forgot about your, your, uh, capacity to share stories uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really feel really privileged that I, I was able to spend this time with you and I'm sure the listeners also enjoyed this so so thank you so much for what you're still oh, thank doing thank you Maurice thank you very much I worked with some wonderful people at Church World Service mm -hmm. that have really meant so much to me in my life and I know that uh, John is uh, feeling the same way that his life has been enriched because of his experience of working with so many wonderful people there. So, yeah, th thanks, uh, Rodney, uh, a lot. Thank you, Maurice. Thank and, you uh, for 
your thoughtful questions, which has jogged my memory of many things. Um, I, I really appreciate um, reestablishing contact with you. And uh, it has been delightful for me to work through some of these. But I, I will say there, I wrote down some other questions, other uh, words that denote mm -hmm. besides uh, I had partnership, community, and hope, but and listening. But a couple of other words that I mm -hmm. didn't want to put in were humility. Mm -hmm. um, and that should always be a word that church world service should have in its lexicon mm. is the word humility. Because when you exude the braggadocio and exude overconfidence, it puts people and, and groups off. Mm. And that's what church world service I think has never done and always it should cloak itself in humbleness and humility and listening to others. Thank you. Do you see you? Do you see me? Will you be the eyes so that we all can be? Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you want to know more about Churchful Service, please go to cwsglobal.org.